Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Pushkin. Just a quick note here. You can listen to all of the music mentioned in this episode on our playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. For licensing reasons, each time a song is referenced in this episode, you'll hear this sound effect. All right, enjoy the episode. Not long ago, I was having dinner with some old family friends. They have two daughters in their early 20s, Joanna and Annalie. Joanna and Annalie are serious music people, super serious. So I said to them, if you could invite anyone, anyone on Broken Record, who would it be? And they both answered, Pentatonics. Not Beyonce, not Adele, not a reincarnated Elvis Presley, Pentatonics, an a cappella group from Arlington, Texas that got its start on YouTube. That, I'm going to guess, most people over the age of 30 have never heard of. So what did we do? Well, we invited Pentatonics on Broken Record, of course, where I have to admit I fell in love with them, even though I'm twice their age. My name is Malcolm Gladwell. You're listening to Broken Record. I'm Matt. I'm Kirsten. I'm Mitch. I'm Scott. And I'm Kevin. And we are Pentatonics. And um, our name is based off the Pentatonic scale, which goes like this. And on and on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Pentatonics. Matt Sally, bass vocals. Kirsten Maldonado, mezzo-soprano. Mitch Grassi, tenor. Scott Hoying, baritone. And Kevin Olushala, beatboxer. Five members representing the five notes in the pentatonic scale. They're an incredibly charismatic group of 20-somethings who met in high school in Texas. They started out by uploading a cappella covers of pop songs on YouTube, and now they have 16 million followers. But they really hit the big time when they earned a spot on NBC's The Sing-Off and won. And now, seven pentatonics albums later, I got to meet with the group at GSI Studios in New York, along with friend of the show, public radio journalist, and my co-host for this episode, Daisy Rosario. By the way, they showed up early for the interview. In the history of rock and roll, no band has ever been early for an interview. They may even have walked from their hotel. I have no idea. Mitch was wearing the coolest coat I've ever seen. 
And before the show, I hung out with Kevin, who turns out went to Yale, speaks Chinese, is half West Indian like me, and I feel like we could have just done a second show with Kevin riffing. They have a 50-city tour of arenas coming up this spring, but I don't think of pentatonics as rock stars. There's something way better. We all got acquainted. Then they agreed to give Daisy and me a little demonstration of how their songs come together. That's basically the, um, how it happens. It's so, kind of a simple formula. So that, but that song, okay, now, on the degree of difficulty scale, if one is dead easy and 10 is, like, insanely hard, where is that? That one's probably one of the easier ones. Yeah, like definitely. a three or two. Is it three? All right, yeah. can you give us a five? Let's, like let's, a, let's work up the uh, scale. Oh, let's work up the uh, scale. <laughs> what do you do, uh-huh. five? Well, in terms of complexity, aha uh-huh. uh-huh would be, like, uh-huh. a six or seven. Before we, before we go there. Why is that? A, you said that was a three. Why is that a three? What's easy about um, it? Because a lot of the background parts are really repetitive. Bum, 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 bum. And then other songs are like, <laughs> like all over the place. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so the next one up is going to be It's like a five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because that one's a little bit tougher, but not too hard. <laughs> Should we start just at the beginning? Uh, la, la, la. La, 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 Yes, yeah, that's it. Ha, ha, yeah. ha, ha. And then right after me. Yeah. Just do that right there. Okay. And then we end right before your solo. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember to do like a line of your solo and then we'll just like cut it off randomly. Okay, okay cool. Mm-hmm. So one, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait so on. why is that? Tell me specifically why that's a little harder. The background parts are kind of playing off of each other yeah. to form yeah. one singular rhythm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, also if you get off, you're off. Right. <laughs> you know, you have to be you have to hold down things. your part. Yeah. yeah. Wait, is it harder if yeah. you if the song is slow? Is your job harder if the song is just uh, for different reasons. Breath yeah. support maybe. Yeah, slow songs can fall out of tune faster because we're holding long notes and they can start to be the tonal center can be like lost. But fast songs it can be just hard accuracy wise. Yeah. Yeah. And each song is hard in a different way for each individual person, too. Like, the first, like, even just for the Christmas show, for example, the first half is so hard for me, and then everyone's like, oh, that's the easy part for me, and I'm like, oh. But, yeah, it, but it just depends on the person as well. Because that song we just did is really tough for you, I feel like. Well, you are good. Or one of the yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah. I, no, but it, it is tough. There's so, There are especially parts later on where the beat's like, like, you're just going everywhere, so I have to think a lot, but... Um, yeah, that one we've done a, a lot of times. I think God Rest is probably even a better example of like more That's difficulty. Seven yeah, seven <laughs> or eight, because it's just... We're, okay, we're going to get to there. But wait, what what happens when you make a mistake? Like it, t- just keep on drinking. No, no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm looking at you, Kevin. You, you just said... There's a part of that song that's really hard. Sure. What if you blow it? Does it throw it? If you make a little air, does it throw everyone else off? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you just keep going. And thankfully, to be honest, I think there's a mystique and magic about beatboxing where nobody really knows that I've made a mistake. <laughs> so I just keep going. And like, I seriously, there are times where I've drunk too much water and then I might burp, but then I'm like, oh, it's a beatbox sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, there, so there's there's that mystique that kind of helps me out in that way where people don't know. I think it's a lot more obvious if they make a mistake. Yeah, and speak on that, yeah. Oh yeah, I, yeah. To speak on that, Kevin's really good at covering. So like, I, I, because I, because that's the rhythm section thing. We'll exactly. kind of we'll play off of each other. Exactly. And, you know, we're the foundation, foundational thing. So I'll hear him a lot of times, like mess up, but he'll he'll like come back in on a different syncopated rhythm. So it's really cool, and people I geek out over that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> oh, so it's uh, it's so cool. Like when he messes up, he doesn't mess up. So basically, he doesn't mess up. <laughs> It's like good jazz. It's like, yeah. oh, they make a mistake, and then you're like, oh no, it was purposeful. It's like, yeah, okay, that's sure, yeah, yeah, cool. that's character. Okay, <laughs> sure. <funny. laughs> wait, wait. So next, the next next level up was you had mentioned a song. Like, God, oh, God rest would probably be like an eight to ten. Yeah. Okay. Wait, where do you want to go from? We should do the, the, oh yeah, let's go. So wait, Marin before you go, before you, before you start, for, why? What's hard about this? What's, I want to listen for it now this time. This one. It's pretty the, quick. It's very quick. Yes. And the notes are all over the place for all of us. And then there's like this, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I mean, I would say this one is much more based off of classical music. So there's a lot of like counterpuntal me- melodies that are going in and out. So each thing has this very distinct part. But then if you get off, it makes it a lot harder to come back in. So I think that's, but that's why we liked it. Because we wanted it to be something intricate where people say, I would never hear this anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's true. That's how it goes. So start. Oh, we starting. You want to start there and then go through, or you start with and then go to your thing. Oh, I wanted to. Oh, let's do that. Okay. And then we do it again. And then end. And then end. Yeah. Okay. So gotcha. Oh wow. Wait. Now okay. Now, is there of that little bit you just did? Are there specific, is there a specific part that is the most challenging? Or is it all sort of, of equal? Um, you don't get nervous when you're about to come to one specific part of that song. Not um, really. I feel like once we learned that one, that one's not nerve-wracking anymore. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of it's an interesting thing. It was challenging to learn, and it was a scary feat to take on. But now that we know it and have sung it so many times, I'm never really nervous about a part. There are songs where I will get like nervous about it every single time. Like, yeah. That's what? actually not one of them. It's like Hallelujah, or, or like one of our ballads where there's a high part. Do you guys get nervous about the same things, or do you each have your own idiosyncratic oh, nerves? That's a really good question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we probably have our own. Yeah. We have our own, I think, yeah. I get nervous about lyrics, because I'm... I'm, I'm I forget the yeah. words all the time. Yeah. Um, Sometimes, actually, maybe I don't want to jinx it. I'll say it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes uh, you feel like you're about to forget something, feel like you're about to forget something, the... and then right when it happens, you remember it because of muscle memory. And your stomach and drops. And yeah. your stomach drops and your heart is pounding and you're like, I can't believe that <laughs> just happened. It's the worst feeling in the so world. So we have yeah. three prompters on our stage, <laughs> just in case. You'll be like, I don't know what's happening, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> when you said you said you get nervous sometimes when you're learning a song you you said you it's, it seems overwhelming at first how long does it take you to learn a song what's that what's the learning process look like it really depends on the song so i mean for example we've done these evolution covers right it's where we do um a person's career or we do evolution of music like he was about to say it's where we do i mean we've done I think from Gregorian chants up to now. And I think depending on how many songs and the difficulty of the arrangement, it can take, it, it takes us different amounts of time to learn. Uh, I mean, what, there's some songs that we can learn pretty easily. I think Problem by Ariana Grande, we did that in a very, very short period of time. Evolution of Music, I mean, it probably took us a week plus, but it was funny because that one, we learned it and then we actually did it for a TV show. So we had to redo it and learn it very last minute. Oh, remember yeah, that? I remember that. Um, yeah, we were going to be on Ellen and it, so we had to relearn it. And so the next day we performed it and it was just a totally different version. It was, to, yeah, it was very, very difficult. So I think when you have those situations when, when you have to learn something very, very fast and it's intricate, that's when your mind gets muddled a little bit. Yeah. And we usually learn everything on our own and then come to rehearsal and then. If we all have it learned, it comes together pretty quickly, actually, as a group. That's interesting. That's not I, that completely surprises me. So in the in the beginning, you might pick a song, and then you will all go off on your own. And is it obvious to you what your piece of it is? Well, sometimes we'll arrange in person, and then we're kind of learning it as we're arranging it. But then more often, we'll just kind of have ideas and then arrange it with our arranger. And then we have sheet music and like a MIDI track for <laughs> each of us, and we'll just kind of learn our part. You can hear their parts in the MIDI track, and then we'll uh, just kind of come having it learned. We'll be back with more from Pentatonix after this break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases. And... 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, 
where America goes to hire. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. We're back with more pentatonics and a question from my co-host this episode, journalist Daisy Rosario. From beginning to end, let's say if you if you weren't touring, if you weren't doing everything, but you were just preparing between purposely trying to pick some songs, creating the arrangements, then learning, how long is that process? Mm. I think I think once again it it really depends. It depends on our timeline. It depends on how focused we are on the project. Compared, you know, if we're on tour, it might take us longer because we want to save our voices. I remember we actually did Evolution of Music, or at least the the pre-arrangement of it. And when we say pre-arrangement, it means picking the songs, kind of getting rough ideas of what the song's gonna sound like. Um, I mean, I, I truly believe though, if you were like you have completely free time, how long would it take? We could do an entire song in a day. I think yeah. so too. Yeah, I agree with that. If we got up in the morning and picked the song and then arranged it with Ben, that would take a few hours, and then each record our part or like learn it. I feel like we could do it in a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do, how does decision making work in your in in your group? It's actually really cool and organic. Yeah. We we uh, we just all just bring an idea when we have it. We talk about it. If we're all inspired and you can feel the momentum, then we just go with it. Um, but there's no like voting process or anything. And you don't have you because you have no. It's not like the Rolling Stones where like Mick is saying we're doing this and everyone else is, and Ron Wood is saying okay. Right. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's pretty democratic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you yeah. see multiple members excited, even if you're not as inspired, you'll be like, okay, let's go with it because they're excited and. And then see where it goes. Do you have five of you? Do you have um, do you have very divergent tastes in music? For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what the kind of span is. Actually, Matt, you what, why don't you start? Um, I grew up on a lot of musical theater, like some some of us, but I also grew up in like gospel music and contemporary Christian music. Like I was the only allowed to listen to that growing up for a little bit, and then then I divulged into musical theater and then kind of jazz. I went to Berkeley College of Music, so it was a lot of jazz in that school and so I, I have a really eclectic amount of different types of music that I like and enjoy. Yeah, I would say mine is pretty eclectic as well. I grew up on musical theater um, and then I've been listening to like singer-songwriters like Sarah Bareilles and um, I grew up on like Regina Spector and then, you know, all the, the pop female side as well. Um, and then I listen to some electronic music here and there like James Blake, I really love. Um, I started in musical theater as well, actually, um, and was really, really big into that and soundtracks. And I think uh, that's where my pitch accuracy came from is because I would always emulate musical theater actors, actresses, and they, you know, that's like a big part of musical theater that I, I really appreciate is that they were all very, very precise and pitch accurate. And then I moved on to electronic music and specifically using vocals and electronic music and cutting them up and um, using them as instruments. And... Um, and yeah, I still haven't. I still haven't gotten out of that. That's that's the genre that I think really inspires me the most. Yeah, I like um, I like anything with harmony. I also grew up doing musical theater. That's how we um, all met. And um, I love pop R and B. That's like what I listen to: Beyonce and Ariana Grande and Jasmine Sullivan. Anything where it's like pleasurable chords and like happy sounding music, but with soulful vocals, is, is really my vibe. 
Yeah. For myself, I grew up on classical music. Um, I play cello. Um, and so, because that's well, kind of like him, my parents are very heavily Christian. So that's what we could only listen to in the house, that. And then um, this radio station called Delilah, which is a lot of soft pop. That's mm-hmm. literally like all oh, my God, Delilah, the queen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's what we listen to all the time. And then when I kind of went to boarding school and then college, that's when I started learning about more like contemporary pop music. And I started to just take as much of it in as I possibly can. Were you also involved in musical theater? And No, I wasn't. On, literally, we just did this Wicked special, and that's when I, kind of was really my first foray into musical theater, because I didn't really know much about it. And so, um, but it's truly amazing, like the things that these people do. Oh my yeah. gosh, Lord have mercy. Wait, so what, what is it about, since four out of the, four to five of you, 80% of pentatonics mm. comes out of musical theater. Um, what is it specifically about that world that prepares you for a cappella singing would you have been as adept at what you do if you had all just been in bands in high school um i think it obviously there's a certain theatrical aspect and i think acapella i don't know what it is i don't know if if acapella singers just feel like they have to uh what's the word i'm looking for not compromise but they have to sort of prove themselves as performers without backing tracks or instruments or anything like that so it's become a very performative art and um, it also just takes accuracy. And it takes accuracy because you don't have too. any instruments behind you. So if someone, if you're flat, then it's like extremely noticeable. And so I think that in musical theater, it's all about pitch accuracy. That's like, like those are the best singers in the world. And um, and it's very emotional too. And that's something yeah. we oh, all really true. like. That's true. It's yeah. a lot of emotion. I also think it it takes a lot of hard work to be doing eight shows a week. I, I was very fortunate to be in Kinky Boots earlier this year, and I learned so many like tricks of the trade from all these people that I was in the cast with, and I took all of that with me into our summer tour and onto this tour as well. And just everyone has just an amazing work ethic. They know when to say no. They know how to take care of their body, and I just... Um, it's just really inspiring because you think like, you know, we go on a tour, a two and a half month tour or this tour and, you know, this Christmas tour and they can be so grueling, but these people are doing it all year long. Like there is no stop and um, they get one day off and yes, they can call out, you know, they can take vacation, but that, that is, that is their life their entire time. So um, it takes a lot of work out. Like they have families, they have, you know, so um, I think that's something also just really beautiful about the craft. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does the... I'm curious about the relationship you have to your audience. Mm-hmm. Does the do when you do something that's really difficult and demanding that you're really proud of pulling off? Do you think your audience realizes how hard it is? Do they are they are they do you think you're appreciated by the casual listener like the the craft of it? I think they do. I think they do realize how difficult it is and appreciate it. I think that they appreciate more when it feels emotional, whether it's difficult or not. I think they respond more to the emotion of the arrangement than mm-hmm. than like the complexities. But I do think, especially the nerdier a cappella lovers, really uh, like that. We also arrange for that. We make sure that we have specific quote-unquote impressive moments in our songs so people will be like, oh, wow, a cappella, I forgot. Yeah. They're doing it live. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of the... Uh of Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. oh, which yeah. is like, that you one. don't have to know anything about music. You watch your, the video of you guys doing that, you're like, oh, this is something amazing is going on here. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, so it is kind of, in that case, it really, because the song, I guess, is so, actually talk about that song. That song is, am I right, the song, is that about as demanding a piece of music to do? Oh, as, yes, that's very, oh, very, yeah. t- that one's a 10, <laughs> for sure. That one's really hard. Did you, yeah. did you feel like you were taking a, a risk by trying it? Yes, for sure. Very yeah, much we so. were afraid of it for a couple of years. Yeah, we put actually. it off for six years. We talked about doing it for a long wow, time. Wow, six years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think you touched on something that's really important. That it really the song matters that much, especially for the casual listener, because I think a lot of our fans are music lovers, so they do appreciate a lot of what we do intricately. But the thing is, we also want to reach a wider fan base. So I think it's so important that the song choice is so important, so that people listen to it. They say, "I don't even care or know that it's a cappella." I care that this is a song that they're doing and it's, it makes me feel so good and I would like to listen to them more. So I think song choice for that reason is so important to us. Yeah. Wait, let's, can we do a little, can we break down Bohemian Rhapsody for a moment here? Sure. Because um, I'm curious about, uh, first of all, there's so much going on in that song. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to know what you think of as being the most interesting parts of that song from your perspective. Mm, I think the middle section of it 
the the Galileo whole, that whole yeah. part is very interesting because there's dueling choirs, but we have two background parts. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're literally like let him go, let me go, let him. We're singing all these parts, and it's it's almost a little bit ridiculous. Like if you heard one of us singing our part, it would be hilarious. But we would do it. Come on, like my part is. Bismillah, no, we will not let you go. Let me go. Bismillah, we will not let you go. Let me go. We will not let you go. Never, 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 never. <laughs> like that's what I'm doing. Except like way higher. I'm screaming these parts. <laughs> wait, as like, as, like, as you're doing that, wait. Uh, can, can each of you individually do what you're doing when he's doing that? It's, I mean, it's pretty much the same. We're doing. Oh, it's all Bismillah, we will not let you go. Let me go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is the same. Yeah. yeah. And you're like trying to catch a breath at any moment you can. You're yeah. like, let it go. Well, now let you go. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever wonder how I, every time I hear that song, all I can think of is how on earth did this song get written? Like, yeah. what's yeah. that? Yeah. I just yeah. saw that movie and I was like, every single song, I'm like, yeah. what kind of creative genius is yeah. this? Yeah. It's so, it's bananas. It's like it comes from a different musical universe. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Um, is that what is that? What are the songs you've done that you feel have been kind of breakthroughs for you? Mary, did you know? Yeah. Is what launched our first Christmas album, um, and then Hallelujah was huge. Can you talk? So it's funny you mentioned Hallelujah. I did a um, one of my podcast episodes on my other podcast. I did a whole episode devoted to that song, talking about <laughs> all of the different versions over the years. It took twenty Whoa. years to emerge. The original version is so different from what we associate. You know, we think of the of the Buckley Jack Buckley version, or we think of the. Um, and I'm just curious how you approach. So there's a song which exists out there in so many different, done so many different ways in different forms. How did you approach that song? It's a and it's such a it is a it is a deeply complicated song. Did you have a version you were kind of looking at, or what was? What was the process of putting your own imprint on something like that? We were trying to find like a beautiful Christmas song to do, actually. We wanted to have a Christmas ballad for the year. And so we wanted to use these Christmas version of, of this Christmas version of Holly with like Christmas lyrics. Um, but then it ended up not working out. We had to use the normal lyrics. And we just like, but we loved the arrangement so much that we were like, let's just put it on the Christmas <laughs> album. And um, I don't remember how we stumbled. I mean, it's one of the most famous songs ever written. I think that it was always kind of in the, on our short list of stuff we would eventually do. When it came to arranging it, I think we approached it very gently and we wanted to make the arrangement very humble and we didn't really want to do anything insane with it because it's, it's such a beloved song. And you have to be really careful with songs like that. You know what I mean? Right. I also think what I love about this song, and I rewatched the video the other day and I hadn't seen it in a long time. I love, and like when we're performing it on stage as well, I think everyone's part is very well suited for their strengths. And so it's really like touching and lovely to listen to each person singing the specific lyrics they're doing, written in the way that it is. Um, I think it's very moving and appropriate for um, all of us so we all get the chance to shine. And then it all comes together at the end and feels very moving and impactful, um, besides just being a beautiful song lyrically you know well what's interesting about that song is that uh when you so i've been listening to that song versions of it forever and ever and ever it's a song about a when you hear it conventionally it's one voice you know in this kind of you 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 don't associate it with a group which is why it's so fascinating to see it reformed in a, a redone um can you actually can you do a little bit of it do, uh, we can do like the first verse Oh, well, I was thinking her verse, and then you get beatboxing, you get... You oh, get yeah, your, there we go. Yeah, yeah, okay. so like, and we just won't go to the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Is it okay if I just start crying? Oh, thank you. We'll be back with more from Pentatonix, including their recording session with the great Dolly Parton. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. 
Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. We're back with more pentatonics. Um, I want to talk about your the music you write yourself and how what sort of the relationship between your own music and other people's music. How does that, can you talk a little bit about the, there's a, there's, there was, is there, was there a moment when you decided you had to start doing some of your own stuff as well? To- original music? Yeah. 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 We, we definitely decided to do that. And that's why we did our original album. We wanted to kind of um, branch out and start telling our own stories. But, um, but we do like love covers so much, so we started we started doing covers as well. But then more original stuffs coming next year. We like to do it all. Yeah. So you have a uh, another original album coming in 2019. Yeah, that's well, the plan. Yeah. We're working well, on it. Yeah. When it comes out, we're not necessarily sure because I think the one thing that we learned about the original album process is that it, to write great songs takes time, and so we really don't want to rush ourselves. The first time we did it, we wrote. I mean. 30 40 songs yeah. in maybe like a month and a half and so that was and i think it was our first foray into songwriting so this mm-hmm. time we want to give ourselves some time to really say let's let's see what stories we really want to tell what sound really accentuates these stories and how do we evoke the emotions that we really want to evoke since we've grown so much in 2015 do, if you write a acapella song from scratch do you write it in a different way than if you are writing it for a uh, a kind of standard rock and roll band. That's, that's kind of the that's the debacle, we really. Yeah, <laughs> there's multiple ways to do it. You can write it with the arrangement in mind, or I found what works. That's just too much for me to think about. So for me personally, I always just like to write it with a piano or something, and just write the song, and then and maybe some ideas will be inspired by the fact that we're going to do it a cappella. But I I just don't want to like get caught up in that. Yeah, I think, and now I'm really interested to see how the songwriting process goes in the future because now we've all been writing and been individual projects for other people as well. So now I feel like initially when we went into the uh, the first songwriting situation, it was like, all right, we have to write a really cool song 
but it also has to be acapella. So there were so many limitations already set on it. So I'm interested to see what the new process is because I think it will be different for everyone just based on, you know, it can't be the same. Everyone's songwriting process is different in general anyway. So, um, yeah, or we'll have like a songwriter pitch us a song. And it'll be an amazing song, but it's like the production that makes it cool. And I'm like, oh, we're and we're we like, well, now I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's this crazy drop. <laughs> like, right. I was like, I'm not sure that's going to be right for us. For you guys picking songs and and when people approach you, how quickly can you kind of assess like, oh, this is something we'd really be able to hook into versus, oh, actually, that's a nice idea, but it doesn't play to what you do. Yeah. I think it's gotten easier as we've done this more. I think in the beginning, I remember even when we were writing original songs, we tried songs. There's one called Love Again where we did like a electronic drop and then quickly afterward we realized this just does not work for us. So I think as time has gone and we've tried so much, because in the beginning of any you know band, startup, if you want to call, you're, you're doing a lot of experimentation. So I think now we've really honed in on being able to say when we're working with songwriters, you know, I don't think this is going to work. But also we do try to let things kind of see how they take form because sometimes you know when we're arranging the original song in our style we realize oh wait there's a way that we can change it for our own purposes so it kind of really depends but yeah it's 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 a fine balance it's a hard thing what does it mean it doesn't work for you what is that what there's a difference between vocally being able to produce the song as opposed to emulating a sound that is not properly going to be emulated. How does, that, um, does that make sense? I feel, <laughs> I feel I, like I feel like it's just we. If it's going to be boring, <laughs> that's a yeah. that's kind of my gauge. Like we tried to do like this Muse song, and it's like so beautiful, and we were like we have to do it. And there's like the mum mum mum. It already had kind of acapella things happening in it, and so we were trying to arrange it. But there's like it for what they did with it, it worked. But when you put our spin on it it was hard to make interesting yeah. Sometimes for it just us doesn't translate well. Wait, so madness? it was madness, madness. oh yeah because it's kind of like similar melodies over and over and it, and it just it's like this slow build and like a ton of belting and like it would just kind of sound i don't know how lackluster. to describe it lackluster think, if yeah. we did it and we want to take something and completely flip it on its head and, the, and the make it special for us instead of just like a worse version of the original the ever helpful worse version right. yeah. <laughs> I mean, i'll say this one thing that i think we've really learned is that you know a lot of producers whenever you're singing a song it's focused on the track how amazing the track is and i'm not saying like certain production pr- production parts that are like drops and stuff like that but just how cool the track is that's the the bed of the music that they're going to sing dance, exactly yeah. and we realize like that's not something that we do very well it, because i think a lot of what acapella is is the build and the emotion behind the build and transitions and so we always have to make sure that whenever we're arranging a song or doing a song like that has to be a very um crucial part of that arrangement and so that i think that's one reason that we can quickly tell whether a song is going to work or not if the track is great but we realize there's not going to be a build that allows us to really showcase what we do so well we scrap it is there a can i ask if is there a balance that you're looking for because one thing that really does strike me when i listen to your covers is like covers are it's lovely when somebody really like reinterprets a song and makes you hear it in a different way but that's you are making me hear it in a different way in one way. And in another way, you are, are, are scratching a very satisfying itch, right? Like, it's like, yeah. like there's clearly the recognition of, like, the elements of whatever the song is and why we love it. I think yes. you guys always nail that oh, while yeah. still making it sound in a way that highlights what you do. And the same with your voices. I find them to be both... Your, your voices are terribly distinctive and then at the same time can disappear into mimicking you know what is familiar about a song that we loved and there's just to me such an interesting tightrope there thank you, thank you. Oh, thank and that's you. exactly what we try yeah that's always do. our first conversation yeah. we're like how can we hold on to what makes the song special and but also like make it completely different so people won't compare it's like yeah, it's exactly. definitely a, a balance so that so that's part of the criteria there is it it has yeah, to kind exactly. of do both. It's a balance. Yeah, act. you don't want to change. You don't want to flip a cover so intensely that people are like, "Now like, it's well, lost. No, I, don't I don't like this like song. It. It's yeah. bad." <laughs> right. You want to keep that what the magic was. That's why we chose to even cover it. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, but again, flip it, make it our own. When you, when you um, Scott, when you were talking about the ones that work are the ones that tap into the emotionality of the song, I'm curious about. Um, what is the difference in, is there a difference in the way that a listener responds to um, 
uh, a sound made by an instrument and a sound made by a voice. Is it easier for an a cappella band to tap into the emotionality of something? Is voice more powerful? That's than- a really good question. I, we've never been asked that before. I, I think it depends on what specifically moves people, but I personally am more moved by vocals because it's more people singing lyrics, it's more people storytelling, and so that that moves me. And I'm really moved by harmony, but everyone responds differently to things. It seems, though, that the majority of, of people, this is quite a broad statement, I would say, <laughs> but from what I've gathered and judging by our fan base and what they enjoy, it seems like people really just enjoy vocals and that really really moves people emotionally even on like American Idol and The Voice and like people just really tune in and it really moves them. I also think that people are just really moved by passion if you're passionately singing like one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen this is so random was at like a Christmas concert and it was a girl playing violin and she just the way she was moving her body and performing was so beautiful to me it like has stuck with me and I that's the first time I feel like I've always been like you know in choir and like moved by the harmonies and but I think it's just like if if someone's really passionate about it it doesn't matter what instrument you're telling a story you're storytelling and that's their that's their voice in a way you know yeah and maybe because we have uh, so many people singing we have a little bit of a head start and yeah uh, and making something emotional Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I want to talk about one of my favorite of your songs which is uh, Jolene that you oh my god how did that first of all first of all (laughs) <laughs> Dolly Parton. I know. Yes. Let's can we just say a few words about how a lot of words <laughs> about Dolly Parton. She is the coolest I know, person in the world. How did that come about? About is she as awesome as she seems? Oh my gosh! I can't wait to tell you these stories. She's the best person in the world. It came about in the most random way. Ever. Wait, wait, tell me. So we were working with Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Thanks, Cracker Barrel. <laughs> yeah. And so was she. Shut up. At Shut the up. same time, just randomly, and then they kind of brought us together and we're like, do you want to do a medley with her? Mm-hmm. And we were like, we'd love to do a medley. All our songs are iconic, but maybe we just do Jolie because that would be so epic. And she was like, I'm down for whatever. I'll be there. And then, <laughs> and then we, we went to the studio and showed up. At, it was like 7.30 a.m. was our call time. We walk in with like breakfast and sweats, Trembly. like not awake yet. She's in full glam. They're 30 minutes early, makeup, hair, outfit. She's like, I'm ready when y'all are. Exactly. She's just, I was like, you are amazing. <laughs> and we, we changed a few things in the song. And we were What did you so, change? So we shortened, we shortened it and like less space between the verses, yeah. just little tiny things. We were singing it with her and then she was messing up because she's used to doing her version right. for the last 50 years. And um, we were horrified and I was like, we can change it back. I'm so sorry, we ruined your masterpiece. I was like, <laughs> for having an anxious meltdown. And she was like, no, I want to learn y'all's version. And she was taking notes and learning this new version. I mean, Like the like, best attitude the entire the time. The best attitude, so happy mm-hmm. and like, Loving it. And then she was like, this is the best version I've ever heard of this song. I love you guys. Like, I want to work with y'all again. It was so cool. Wait, when I, the, ver- the, the video I saw, was that a, that would have been a, I guess this, I think it was the official video. Is that a live performance that you're doing? Where she gives you the, where she, where she, where she does a low five at the end of the song with you guys? Do you know that one? <laughs> so what we did is we went into the studio and we did sing it in one take. And then and then and then we filmed the video. So oh, it I is see. a live that's take, right, but right. it's not that. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was. Uh... And did did you um, had she heard of you before? Um, I don't know. I don't know. To be very honest, I don't with know. You. No, so I really so don't Cracker know. Barrel brings you together. Cracker yeah, Barrel, Cracker Barrel. Can you? Cracker Barrel brings you together. And I was like, wow, do we owe Cracker Barrel? But I loved that. So that's a brilliant example of what you've been talking about. The song, it's a different song. It sounds the same, and if you weren't, if you're not paying attention, you think, oh, it's Jolene. Then you're like, you, when you see it, you realize, oh no, no, it's a different. The feeling of it is so much. It's so much. I don't know. It seems more. Um, uh, I don't know what it is. The idea of just all of you on stage like that. It just. It was a different. It becomes a kind of group experience. It becomes. Um, it's not as sad. Okay, it's more about the arrangement and the vocals. No, no, it's stuff. more. The original is super sad. I mean, it's like. It's a, but that one there's a kind of joyfulness that comes. Oh yeah, because the nostalgia of the song maybe. Yeah, has a different meaning. you're all enjoying it. She's having so much fun. Yeah, like authentically that could be too. Why. She's we're not all turning really it off. Enjoying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we're just fangirling over her. <laughs> yeah, her energy is she just creates this atmosphere of happiness that's like really amazing. 
I can't. I don't even want to. I don't, I don't know how old she is. But I don't think it matters. But like, <laughs> it is. She is She's some going that is some kind of <laughs> some kind of amazing thing yes. going on. <laughs> what are you going to do more things like that? Collaborations, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, who would you love to do? Uh, uh, who would you not love to do a collaboration? With? Oh man, I mean Ariana. I mean, yeah, we've been we've been talking about Ariana lately. <laughs> that would be so awesome. I mean, I think that we would work well with Imogen Heap. Yeah. She just because oh, she's yeah. so she uses her vocals in such interesting ways, mm-hmm. and she's so incredible and um, she, creative. Can I tell you my Imogen Heap shows? Oh, yes, yes, please. Year, this is years ago. I was at some random conference in Maine, of all places. It's Saturday night, and I realized by mis- by totally that Imogene Heap is there. I have no idea why she was there. So I find myself at like two in the morning with Imogene Heap and these two other people. I have no idea who they were. We were and we were singing George Michael songs <laughs> by wow. the water at oh two in the gosh. morning. Oh my gosh! It cool. remains like hold on to that memory for it, it remains. Probably the greatest evening of my life. I can't believe oh, wow. that. That's incredible. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was like, and her, the genuine amazing. affection she had for George Michael. And it made me think, I, I had sort of like, hadn't realized what incredible songs they were. Yeah. Until she started singing them with us. I mean, I, I was doing a bad job. She was doing an amazing job. <laughs> but um, I can see, oh my God, will you please do something with Imogen? Oh, Jen, if you're listening. Will you do George Michael Stop with Imogen? Oh, that is a concept. A concept. Yeah, I was wondering if if uh, reality were not a, a problem, if you could go back in time or anybody. I mean, if they're vocalists purely, who would you love to oh work gosh. with? Michael Jackson. Yeah, that sure. would be so cool. Patsy Cline. <laughs> I don't know why Klein. that was the first thought. What a great, what a great <laughs> one. Thanks. We were in country music world. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Matt, you said Michael Jackson. Which Michael Jackson song do you think is a pentatonics? Oh, I think... Oddly enough, Human Nature would be really cool. Yeah. It's such a different type of song. And it's, I mean, Man in the Mirror, you know, you have all the hits. But I think that one would be a really cool arrangement that we could do with his voice over top. I've actually thought Oh, that'd be so cool. It's, it's, it's like, is there we a also, way we could do that with his voice? We paid a lot of money. Can you imagine <laughs> if we did like a dueling acapella thing with Jackson 5? That would be amazing. Oh, that would oh be so, gosh. a medley of Jackson 5? Yeah. Be so I wish cool. we do that anyways. Oh, <laughs> wow. Jackson 5. I, I, come back to this idea of this like sense of urgency when I'm watching you all so engaged with each other it doesn't just feel like you're performing because there is an audience there like it feels like you're all physically connected and would have to be physically responding in some way Mm. I mean you really are using your voices fully as instruments and you don't Get a break the way. <laughs> yeah, True. it's very vocal. A lot of musicians <laughs> and we have to listen do. To each other nonstop. Yeah, you know, like I have Mitch on my left ear and Kirsty on my right ear. Exactly. I was wondering if you noticed the difference between when you're performing as the group versus solo, just physically how you interact. Oh yes. my gosh, it is so it's weird. It's so different. Yeah, it's it is very really different. Hard for me now yeah. to do anything without the group because it's like we're such a unit now, and that's just how I performed for six years. That I'll do like I'll like sing it. I'll even sing for like fifteen people at a part little jam session. And I'll be like nervous, yeah. like yeah. more nervous than I would be in, on stage in front of 10,000 people. It's like, it's a very interesting way your body responds because you feel so lonely <laughs> when you're singing by yeah. yourself now. I was gonna say, it made me like sad because like there's, so, it's so cool to play off the different energies on stage and whether it's instruments or, you know, it's so great when it's just like us and vocals and stuff. But when you're like sitting there by yourself and if there's a track going on, you're like, where is everyone? Like, what happened? I There's like, feel like I'm just like boring too. Yeah. I'll be performing by myself and I'll be like, this is not as engaging and I don't feel as confident in it. I yeah. feel like what I'm doing right now is boring to them and I don't want to bore anyone. And and like also our trio when we're singing parallels, it's like such a safe space. It's yeah. like you can just like sing without like feeling. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, can, can I coax you into doing one last song? Do you have a request? What's that? Do I have, Do a, you request? have a request? Well, we were talking about Jolene. We don't have a. Oh, you don't. Dolly. Oh, yeah, we need Dolly. Will you be Dolly? Will you Will sing you? a solo? <laughs> no, no, no. No, okay, we'll have to do I something. You can't. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We don't. We missed it. Yes, we are missing Dolly. It yeah. occurred to me. We could, um, could do like part of that's Christmas to me or something, or it won't be Christmas when this airs. Or this is yeah. Out. Why don't you? Yeah, I'll let you pick okay. something that something uh, that you that something, is there a, is there a, nice something that you really easy. love. Um, I can't sleep love part of can't sleep love the first bursting chorus mm-hmm. that's nice we could do that because that one's pretty so you want to just start at art at the beginning to and it's original right. true <laughs> I don't think I'm doing that um, you come in at the pre-chorus yeah okay we'll go through the first chorus okay okay cool um, dum, dum. 
Because A flat, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Tell, tell me at. Should we just go right for my solo? Oh my gosh, no, my so. voice can do this right now. <laughs> and a one, two, three. Oh my. <laughs> that was really lovely. Thank you. Thank you. That was Pentatonics from GSI Studios in New York. To see when Pentatonics are in your town, check out p.t.x.official.com. And we've made a playlist of our favorite pentatonic songs for you that you can check out at brokenrecord.com. Broken Record is produced by Justin Richmond and Jason Gambrell with help from Mia Lobel, Jacob Smith, Julia Barton, and Jacob Weisberg. Special thanks to my co-hosts Rick Rubin and Bruce Hadlam and my co-host this week, Daisy Rosario. Our Broken Record theme music is by Kenny Beats. This show is brought to you by Pushkin Industries. I'm Malcolm Gladwell. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper, with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.